Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, it's one of the most familiar Christmas carols that we hear at this time of year, and how simply and beautifully it retells the amazing Christmas story to all of us, starting, of course, with the announcement of angelic hosts to lowly shepherds who were simply tending their flocks of sheep. A 400-year silence was broken with those wonderful words, Fear not. And what was their glorious and urgent announcement? Well, it was the fact that the promised child had been born the Son had been sent, the Messiah had finally arrived to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And this Messiah was himself a shepherd, a good shepherd, a great shepherd, the Bible says, and one who came to die for the sheep and then to lead them home, heavenward, under his loving and protective care. What a wonderful story it is. Join us today as evangelist Mr. Eugene Higgins speaks about this angelic announcement and the wonderful shepherd of whom it speaks. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. While shepherds watched their flock by night. 
It was written by Nahum Tate, who was born in Dublin and graduated from Trinity College, Dublin, in 1672. Its approval and acceptance was due to its being a very accurate paraphrase of Luke's account of the birth of the Lord Jesus. It makes this Christmas carol one of the most biblically accurate carols that we have. Think with me, first of all, about the prophecy that was behind this angelic announcement. The angels come, an angel appears before the others join and says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Almost 800 years before that event, the words I have read to you were written by the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And now it is as though the angel is announcing, He's here. It's happened. After all these hundreds of years, he has come. In fact, Micah prophesied the very town in which the Lord Jesus would be born, Bethlehem. And if you had been alive and living in the Roman Empire in that first century, and if you had asked any one of those multitudes of travelers moving all around the empire, why are you on the road? Why are you traveling? What's happening? The answer you would have been given is, well, we have to. It's an edict from the imperial ruler, the Caesar that we all have to go to be enrolled and taxed at the town in which we were born. And you would have thought that is why the highways are jammed, the roads are clogged, Caesar's demanding it. And you would never have known that the whole empire was in flux. Everything was being moved, turned upside down because there was a prophecy that was going to be fulfilled. And Mary and Joseph are going to be brought to a place called Bethlehem because Micah the prophet said, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, Bethlehem, Judea, out of you will come he that shall be ruler over my people, Israel. Remarkable to be reminded of the precision of biblical prophecy and how accurately it is fulfilled. And what adds to the remarkable nature of that announcement is, it's so unusual. You don't make announcements like that. When a child is born, if you were leafing through the newspaper and a birth announcement was there, it would say that the child was born to such and such a couple, to these parents. But the angel doesn't say, unto Mary and Joseph. He says, unto you. Unto you. Because God was sending his son to the world. God was sending his son to a race of fallen sinners. God was sending his son to be the savior of lost, perishing, dying men and women who needed someone to deliver them. No savior for angels. Savior for sinners. And notice, please, the people. Shepherds. The announcement was not made to noblemen. The announcement was not made to titled lords. We know who the, the Caesar is. We know he was Caesar Augustus. We're even told who was governor in Syria. Quirinius was the governor. Remember in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men come to Jerusalem, Herod has no idea that Jesus has come. The chief priests and scribes have no idea that Jesus has come. There's a mad scramble to get out the Bible and find out where has he come. We may be impressed by titles. We may be impressed by position and power and wealth. God sends the angels to announce to common, ordinary, lower class, poor, despised, the nobodies, that heaven sends the message that he has come to you. The savior of the outcast, the savior of common men, the savior of sinners, the savior that God is presenting to you tonight. I think I can say I meet a lot of people who really want to be in heaven when their life is done. They just don't want Jesus. They want to be in heaven when they die. They want to go there instead of to hell. The problem is, the Bible says that the way to get to heaven is through Christ, and they don't want Christ. 
So I would like to ask you tonight, no, not do you want peace? Do you want joy? Do you want to be in heaven when life is done? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? I want to ask you tonight whether you want Christ, whether you are ready to receive God's son, because it was to you that God sent his son. And so now please notice with me, there's something I think significant about this, that the message comes to shepherds and significantly, the Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus as the shepherd for us. So notice what that means. Because the Lord Jesus told us that good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So think for a few moments about you and me coming into this world like sheep that are lost, sheep that had gone astray. What began in Adam's heart in the Garden of Eden was transmitted to each of his descendants. If you have a dog home and the dog gives birth, the dog will give birth to a dog. And the dog will not need to teach its puppy how to bark. It will be a natural thing. When you were born, you received the same nature as your parents. And as a result of that, you came into this world with the capability of sinning. And bound up in your heart and life and character and psyche is a proneness toward thinking of yourself first and judging everything in life about how it affects you and your happiness and what you want. And we have gone astray from God and from the very purpose for which we were made. It is not in your nature. It is not in your character. It is not in your makeup to turn and seek God until a person hears the word of God and listens to what God has to say and realizes that he or she is in grave danger. That is why the Lord Jesus used this awful word to describe us. He said, we are lost. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is why Paul wrote about the lost, that they are blinded by the God of this age. That is why 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that those who are lost are predisposed against the gospel. That is the last thing, the last thing that a human being is willing to do is to bow in repentance before God and take the place of being a guilty sinner. Nothing brings a person to that place but the truth of the gospel. Nothing but the power of the gospel, stripping away the blindfold and helping a woman or a man see what it means to be lost. Sheep that had gone astray, who were hopeless, who were helpless. Do you understand the danger you are in tonight? So serious was that danger. And so pressing is this issue of salvation that the Lord Jesus was willing to leave heaven and die on a Roman cross so that you could be saved from the danger that is ahead of you. And as a sheep that is lost, you need that Savior tonight. You need the shepherd. See, sheep need a shepherd. It's not a luxury or a bonus. Sheep need a shepherd. Other animals can get along on their own. There's tons of them in the forests and and woods and jungles of the world, they don't need somebody to, to guide them, to help them, to, quote, shepherd them. But sheep need a shepherd. You need Christ. It's not a matter that if you don't have the Lord Jesus, well, you'll have some other sort of life and things will be all right in the end. You need Christ. Like a shepherd is needed by a sheep. The Lord Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 how he came. He tells us about two doors in that chapter. That there's a door you have to enter to be saved, and it's Christ. But he tells us earlier in the chapter that there's a door that he entered, that he came by way of the prophecies of Scripture. He alone matched the DNA, the fingerprint, the blueprint of the Messiah. He presented himself as the true shepherd of lost sheep. 
He came into the world on your behalf. He came in the fullness of the times. He came, Romans chapter 5 says, in due time to die. In due time. I've sometimes wondered what all is meant by that. Before he came, the method of death was beheading, lynching. I know that after he came, that the method of death varied. I know that when he came, the method of public execution in the Roman Empire was crucifixion. And I know that he had to be crucified, not stoned. And of course, it is interesting, isn't it? We're so often reminded that the Jews turned him over to Pilate because they didn't have the power to kill him, and they wanted him killed. So this was their only recourse. They didn't turn Stephen over to Pilate, did they? They stoned him, didn't they? What kept them from stoning the Lord Jesus? There was one way that he was going to die. One way. On a cross. And he came in due time. Do you know, as a result of when he came, the Roman Empire had spread itself throughout the known world. Ways of travel, a common language. Because of the time that he came, the gospel after he rose from the dead, the gospel was able to be spread throughout the known world. He came for you. He came at the right time. He came to the city of David, the town of David, Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where lambs grazed that were intended for Jerusalem, for the altar. That was the grazing grounds for the big city. So how amazing that it was right there. Lambs sleeping in the fields around these men. Lambs that were going to be heading up to Jerusalem to be offered on an altar. Right to them the message comes. God has sent his son to be the savior of lost sinners. The shepherd has come who was as well God's lamb presented to mankind. You know why he came? He came to give his life at Calvary. He came to save sinners. He came to pay a ransom for lost men and women. He came to die for you. He came to die for you, no matter who you are. And I would not need to know anything about your background or your sins in order to be able to tell you that the Son of God loved you and died on a cross so that you could be saved from going to hell. If you look at Calvary, you will see a man that stepped into a storm of judgment for you so that you could be saved. It may be that up till now in your life, you have kept that person at arm's length as though he were some enemy, as though he were someone that you wanted to, to have nothing to do with in your life. And yet that is the person who gave his life at Calvary so that you could be saved. That shepherd offers to give you life tonight. If you want to live, if you want to live, then come to Christ. He didn't come to put an end to your life. He came to give you life. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I've often thought again about how precise the Lord Jesus is and the Bible is in its language. The Lord Jesus didn't say, I have come so that they can have a more abundant life. He's not saying, I can add to what you have. I can make what you have better. No, no, no. He said, I am come that they might have life because you don't have it and life more abundant. Because this is the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Do you know he has another title? He is called the great shepherd. Because he not only died for me, but he rose again. And he is alive in heaven. And he guides and guards and protects his own people, his sheep, just like a shepherd does. He not only gave his life for me as the good shepherd, but the Bible says he's alive in heaven as the great shepherd. 
And of course, in the Bible's most famous Old Testament passage, Psalm 23, you're reading about David's statement, the Lord is my shepherd. And you're reading about his provision and his protection and his presence in every trial and every difficulty. So allow me just to describe to you what it means to be one of his sheep. It means to have, first of all, eternal security. Eternal security. The New Testament's parable pictures the sheep on the shoulders of the shepherd. Careful readers of their Bible will have noticed that in Isaiah chapter 9, it's singular. The government shall be upon his shoulder. But when it comes to the support of a perishing sinner that the Lord Jesus has saved, that's where the plural is used, that the shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders and brings it safely home. The moment that the shepherd finds the sheep and recovers it, saves it, then its safety, its security is all in the shepherd's hands. It's not now left to the cleverness of the sheep. It's not now a matter of how skillfully the sheep can pick his way home and how he can avoid problems. No, 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 whatever the future holds, from the moment that the shepherd and the sheep meet, whatever the future holds, the sheep meets it with the shepherd. And Christians have coined a phrase to describe that. And since I could never think of anything better than this, I'm going to tell you what the phrase is. Already used it. It's not just security. It's eternal security. Because a saved sinner is in the hands, the competent, skillful, almighty hands of the Son of God. Who could be safer than that? Who could be more secure than that? Shall never perish. I give eternal life. Never perish. How would you like to have the best life insurance policy possible? To be in the hand for eternity of the Lord Jesus. Eternal security. But of course, added to that is the constant ministry and care. Because as I mentioned, the Old Testament's most famous passage, Psalm 23, describes the, the ceaseless care of the Lord for his own. I think this is astounding because it's blessing beyond words to be saved. If all that happened when a person trusted Christ is that he was saved and he would never be in hell, it'd be the greatest thing going. But not only is it the greatest thing going, but added to that is the matchless, selfless, ceaseless, constant care of this shepherd for every once lost sinner who trusts him. If you trusted him tonight, you'd be in his hand forever, for the rest of your life. And you'd be able to say like David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall have no want. Because he'd be protecting you and guarding you. He is all sufficient. He has lifelong ability. And when David looked ahead, he thought of the eternal hospitality, didn't he? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to be with this shepherd forever. And that's what he's offering to you tonight. So let me close by just telling you he has another title. That he is not only the good shepherd, and he is not only the great shepherd, but the book of Peter tells us he is the chief shepherd who will glorify his sheep, who intends to bring every one of his sheep home to live with him. So in quick succession, here is what that means. There's a bright future. For people who are saved, there's a bright future. There's a certain future, and there's a never-ending future. Now, just think with me of those three things for a minute or two, and we will be done. Our world is darkening. It's worsening, which is exactly what the Bible said would happen. But for people who are saved, there is a bright future ahead. Heaven, home, with Christ, paradise, with the Lord. 
What kind of future do you have? Do you ever think about your future? Before I was saved, that was something I very carefully guarded in my thinking. I tried never to think about the future. I tried never to think about what would happen if the Lord came. I did my best to never think about dying. And I struggled to make sure that I never for a moment began to think seriously about eternity. Because I couldn't think of my future. Now, it's one of my chief delights. Because people who are saved have a bright future. But you see, not only that, they have a, a certain future. It's assured by God's word and by his power. Because you see, it's possible to be looking forward to some wonderful event. You've planned something, and to you it's bright and alluring and attractive, and, and you're just counting the days until you'll get away on vacation, or you'll have this trip, or, or this happy event will take place, and you're looking forward to it, and then those plans change. You never got there. But you see, nothing, absolutely nothing, is going to thwart God's intention to put his son on the throne and to see to it that everyone who has trusted his son will be with Christ in that day. It is not only bright, but it is absolutely certain. And I'll tell you something else about this. Because you see, there are times when you're looking for something and you can't wait till it comes and it's so appealing and it comes and you, you enjoy it. You actually got there. You got on the trip. You had the experience you were looking forward to. And it zips by you and is gone in the rearview mirror like it never happened. It's over so quickly. But I not only have a bright future, and a certain future, but a never-ending future. It's never going to tire. It's never going to depreciate. It's never going to worsen. It is never going to become less, but always better and grander and greater and brighter and sweeter as endless ages roll along. And you could be a part of that. That's the kind of future you could have. You would love to have peace. You would love to have joy. You would love to have hope. You would love to have forgiveness. You would love to have heaven when your life is done. Then just answer in the quiet of your own mind this simple question. Do you want to have Christ? Yes, my friend, the gospel message was initially proclaimed to the poor and lowly as amazed shepherds were told by angelic beings where the Messiah could be found. God is no respecter of persons, my friend. The gospel message goes out to every man, woman, and child. Unto you, this day is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Unto you. Has there ever been a time when you acknowledged your need and accepted Christ as your Savior? If so, you will know the faithfulness and love of a great shepherd indeed, and be assured of a bright, certain, and never-ending future with him in heaven. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. 
There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.